BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, uh, I guess, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Has, has anything really happened since the last time we did this, John? I don't know. It's been about a week and a half, and uh, nothing really comes to mind. Does anything come to your mind over what's happened over the last little time? No, no I'm just, I'm surprised that you insisted on doing two podcasts in January. Like, hell are we going to talk about? Yeah, I don't know. I can't even get to, I can't I mean, there's even a lot of my there, beer fridge tonight. There is a lot of great beer stuff that we can talk about, but uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I had this weird dream about something about Chris Jones leaving for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, did that happen? Mm-hmm. That is that it. That is weird. Or was that just we talked about it so much as being a potential thing that could happen on our last podcast that it seems like it could have been a dream, or 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 the fact that the Riders, you know, lost their play-by-play man. That's you know, that's. Pretty big news, too. That's big. And then some guy that's been with the organization for 21 years is now in charge, and they're looking for a head coach, and a bunch of guys are being denied opportunities to interview for that job. It's just been, I don't know. It feels like I've had a lot of really weird dreams about the Riders lately, and I, I don't know why. I, I would say, I would say, maybe we should just get, get into the beer talk because we have nothing to talk about on this podcast. No, absolutely nothing to talk about, actually. I guess there's a few things to talk about. All of those things obviously happen. All of the things are happening! So, if we were, like, good at this, we probably would have... This would be a very long podcast, but we don't really like to talk on for that long. And we kind of kept putting this... We kind of kept putting this podcast off, because last week, obviously, the news broke that Chris Jones was leaving for the Cleveland Browns. And then I'm like, oh, I guess we need to podcast this week. And then, you know, we got busy with a couple of things. And then we were going to record last Thursday. But then the word came out that Craig Reynolds was going to speak on Friday. So I messaged you. I'm like, "Eh, let's wait to see what comes out of this news conference before we do that. And then uh, the Mm -hmm. weekend rolled around and some more stuff broke then. And here we are on Monday night, finally recording. So Lord knows what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) And it's all (laughs) Murphy's Law, man. You know that. Maybe the rest of the coaching staff step, steps down and gets them out of the uh, the hole they've been pegged in. Who knows? Some, something is probably going to happen on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. So you're welcome, Rider Nation, and uh, you're welcome, Drew and Justin, for <laughs> the, the clicks that are sure to come based off everything we've happened. Uh, so, of course, yeah, we're going to get into Chris Jones and his departure toward the NFL. We're going to get into the promotion of Jeremy O'Day, and we're going to get into um, the couple of guys who have been told no they cannot interview to for this job. 
Uh, but first, we do want to put this kind of a little bit front and center as uh, there was also the news that uh, Rod Peterson, longtime voice of the Riders, uh, deciding to leave the, the job and uh, pursue other yeah. opportunities. And while, I mean, there was a while when Rod and I were on the separate sides of the aisle, so to speak, um, nothing but respect for the man professionally and personally. So, you know, wish him nothing but the best of luck in terms of whatever's next for him. Yeah, yeah, and Rod and I were quasi on the same side for a while there. I know I got to uh, work very closely with him. He was a mentor for me when I got back in the broadcasting business, helped me a lot with the play-by-play, introduced me to people in the know, people in the media, players on the team. I have nothing but good to say about Rod Peterson, and he was he was a guy I looked up to when I was in broadcasting and then his struggles he went through with alcoholism and what he's done with that, making himself a sober coach. And, you know, I've always been proud to call Rod my friend and I know he has his haters out there and I've always, you know, been proud to call Rod a guy that's on my side, that's in my corner and whatever he's doing next, I'm sure he's going to be just awesome at it. I don't, I, it's hard to find somebody where, with a work ethic that rivals Rod Peterson. We were talking off the air about, you know, uh, possibly who's going to fill that role. And we were just rattling through all the different jobs you'd have and the kind of person you need to fill it. And, and no offense to anybody that's going to apply, which for the record, I know some of you have tweeted, texts, and DM'd. It's not going to be me. I'm not even applying. My hat is not in the <laughs> ring. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Like, I'm flattered that people think highly enough of me that, that I've ha- I have to say this, but which is it's shocking. not happening. I am happy. I know, right? <laughs> they clearly don't know me that well. But uh, I know, like we were just talking about, the amount of work that has to go into that job to directly replace Rod is just mind-boggling. And he did it all and made it look so easy and casual. And he sounded great. And he put on a great show. And, you know, some of his lines like, Bo Levi go home and, and, and the call of the Grey Cup win just will live on forever in Saskatchewan. And, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Rod. And I hope whatever he gets up to next, uh, I, I hope there's a way to listen, to watch, because he's going to be great at it. He hinted something on his blog that there might be some announcement down the pipeline in a bit here. So a guy doesn't leave a job like that unless he's got something on his mind, whether it's some kind of venture of his own or he's going somewhere else. But for sure, there's I think we'll see more of Rod Peterson in the future. Um there's no easy way to transition from Rod into this, as it's kind of awkward, given kind of what he does at times. But, uh, yeah. John, what's in the glass this week? <laughs> well, this in the glass this week, um, I sent you a picture right before we recorded. I was about to go downstairs and get into my beer fridge, where my lovely wife has taken upon the task of really reorganizing the house, purging. She's been watching Tidying Up Netflix, so... I went to go down to my beer fridge, and it was completely full of stuff. And I'm not complaining. I'm actually quite happy that a purge is happening, but my beer fridge was inaccessible. So I said to myself, what do I have that's classically Canadian? I have some whiskey. And actually, from a small Canadian company, it's called Bearface. That's just a cool name. Bearface whiskey. It's a triple oak aged. It's very smooth. A bit of a unique taste. Uh, I tried mixing it. Uh, last week, uh, not so much of a mixy drink, much more of a throw it on the rocks with a little bit of a, a splash, and it's going to be real good when it touches your lips. And uh, that is what is touching my lips tonight. So I'm on the hard stuff, so we'll see if maybe I'm even worse at my job while drinking whiskey. So we really should keep this podcast short is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Might get angry. <laughs> Uh, for me, um, I specifically brought home a growler thinking we would probably, 
be along the same lines as we usually are. And then, of course, you go ahead and drink whiskey. Um, I have the new Bow Smash from Pile of Bones Brewing. It's made with a cool new uh, CDC Bow Barley that was developed at the University of Saskatchewan. And then it was, so it was grown in the province and malted at a local a new local malting group called Maker's Malt. So it's all local. The the hops is hopped with mosaic. So it's a single a smash. If you don't know, is a single malt, single hop beer. So you really it really helps you learn the flavors of certain barley's and certain uh, hops. If you don't know, so. If you yep. ever see a smash out there and you want to learn a little bit more about the different types of hops there are out there, this is a great way to do it. So it's a really, it's a really nice, easy drinking beer. It's almost got a little bit of a candy feel to it, which I noted when I was with the brewery at Nathan. So it's really nice. And there's actually a couple of events coming up in the province. Uh, they're not paying me to say this, I promise you. Um, I just am just such a geek about it. So yeah, I don't remember the exact dates, but they're in Sask. <laughs> there's one in Saskatoon and there's one a few days later in Regina. Regina one is at Beer Brothers. I don't remember the Saskatoon one is. If you look up Maker's Mouth on Facebook you'll find them they're doing a couple tap takeovers with all of the beers that is being made with this barley they've distributed them to 14 brewers across the province so uh look out for those events if you want to check out some uh, great local beer made with great local ingredients i plan on being at the one in beer brothers in a couple of weeks that that does that sounds magical majestic and if you need a place to crash well coming up to the one in saskatoon joel you know the house is always open um I'm trying to get to a Minhaz joke, you know, just watch for the Minhaz rep just like slapping stickers on the keg handles. So just watch out for that. That might happen. That could possibly be a thing. Anyway, so <clears throat> we're going to we're going to get we're going to get serious here now. We're going to get real. So okay. it was about a week ago, just a little over a little under a week ago that Chris Jones essentially broke the sports internet in Canada. Oh yes. As yes, absolutely. the news broke seemingly out of nowhere. From a, a you know no offense to them an unexpected source in the CFL news account but they yeah. had to hat to, to hat tip to them they they got it and they got it right so you know credit to them for breaking that story and we were all just like what because you know it was just a week before that that Chris Jones had signed that extension with the Riders and mm-hmm. please do not listen to the podcast previous this one nothing that we said on the <laughs> podcast now matters <laughs> yeah way to wipe out an entire night's work in a day Chris thanks you jackass that's the only thing I'm really mad about this whole thing though no. <laughs> and yeah so Chris Jones has taken a job with the Cleveland Browns now it's a kind of a bit of a made-up job that didn't exist before but it's still a job in the NFL nonetheless and yeah. There was, there was a lot of talk right away after this, and uh, I wrote a piece that went out on 3 Down Nation tonight, on Monday night, about, you know, kind of the O'Day press conference and his uh, his introductory, and again, or reintroductory, we already know who he is. And the idea was that a lot of people thought that this out clause was put into Chris Jones' contract in the last two weeks. Well, no, it was clarified that Chris Jones, understandably and not surprisingly, has had an out clause since day one with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah. Because it was, and I'll give credit to him, it was Saf Ahmad of the Pipples podcast who brought up the point, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There was no other way this was ever going to end. Unless the Riders yeah. completely bottomed out, as long as they were, to use his terms, moderately successful, his next job was going to be in the NFL. There's no question about it. So yeah. it just came about in a surprising way, that I think you can only really at this point, now that we know all the details, classify as, you know what, stuff happens. Yep, and and, and I think you're right. And, and back to your point about the CFL News Twitter account, I've read, I've met the guys that run it. 
Much love for them. They do a great job, mostly retweeting and stuff. It's just so weird for that not to be a dunk bomb. Because normally <laughs> that's a dunk bomb. Something like that happens. So the dunk got CFL bomb. But uh, you're absolutely right. And I think we alluded to on the podcast that nobody's going to listen to from last week saying that, yeah, the only way this ends is with Chris Jones going to the NFL. He's qualified. And all of a sudden the Cleveland Browns are basically making up a job to get him there. He is connected to the coaching staff in Cleveland, going way back to his days as a graduate assistant. So he's got history there. Uh, the Browns, and I cannot believe I'm. these words are coming out of my mouth, are a team on the rise in the NFL. So I, ugh, I did, that's just, it like tastes weird in my mouth when I say that. But uh, I, and I'll, I'll say this Chris too. Jones was gonna... I'll say this too. I think from a Browns perspective, this is actually a really smart move because yeah. he's okay. The thought would be that he should probably go down there as a defensive coordinator or a head coach if he's going to leave here. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but yeah, they put him in a fairly senior position still. I believe, yeah. I think, believe you heard he doesn't even report to the defensive coordinator. He reports to the head coach. So he's got pretty good pull within yeah. what's going on there. And what they've done, the Browns have done is they've brought in a guy who's proven that he can defend past happy leagues. He can defend guys with lots of motion you know, all these things yep. where the NFL is going, the CFL has been doing for years, and Chris Jones has proven that he knows how to stop that. So they've brought in a guy that said, hey, this guy can has proven that he can defend everything a lot of NFL teams are doing right now. Maybe he should be on our coaching staff. Yeah. That's a really well, smart it, move, it, and I wonder, right. if, is, I wonder if more great. NFL teams maybe don't start sniffing around some of the defenses up here if this trend in the NFL continues now with the way the Patriots are playing, just ramming the ball down everyone's throats, there might be a pause. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's it. I mean, the Patriots are a special bunch where you always have to respect Tom Brady, so the running game is always going to be open. But it was interesting, too, in, in the interviews he did both with Murray McCormick and Darren DuPont, uh, that he basically said, I'm just another set of eyes to look at all the aspects of the game. So you're right, he will report directly to the head coach. He sent some sort of, you're right, like weird mid-management position, but... That The Browns now have a guy in their staff that, on offense, they're looking pretty good. They've got a quarterback there, Baker Mayfield, that's going to be great. And then you look on defense, you know, if they do start a little slow, maybe you see Chris Jones get stepped in a little a little bit more. Maybe he does work his way into being the defensive coordinator or calling the defensive plays or something like that, right? I, I think now... He almost needs to, I think this is Chris Jones taking his knowledge of everything you pointed out, Joel, that is the way the NFL is becoming. And I mean, if you watched yesterday's games, you could definitely see pass wacky, lots of motion, misdirection, things like that that we've had up here for a while. You almost wonder if Chris Jones is just going to sit there from his senior defensive assistant's chair, or I'm assuming high up in the press box, and watch and learn and adapt what he knows as a very successful CFL defensive coach into the new look NFL and I think that Browns defense is going to get a leg up and, and I think you're right I think Chris Jones might be paving the way for a guy like Clay Brooks unless mm -hmm. again BC completely falls off a cliff there There's the guy's still proven guy. that he can run a defense Great though exactly oh exactly I, I just think though I mean a hard sell if BC goes like I'm talking like two and fourteen for the next, or pardon me, two and sixteen for the next couple of years. Like I think yeah. Claybrooks might be the next guy if if Jones can create some success. Which again, I think he will. I think he knows defense and he knows motion and he knows everything the NFL is becoming. And I, I can't see this ending badly for the Cleveland Browns. Now, 
the Messies left in Saskatchewan. Oh, boy. Yeah, and, well, that was always the risk when you gave a guy that many titles. And... That's that's right. and that was the only way you were going to get him here. Obviously, Craig Reynolds wanted Chris Jones, the head coach, and the only way you were going to get him here was by giving him more titles. So that's just the way it was. The good news from from the rider perspective is, and we've banged on Craig Reynolds a lot on this podcast, as have a lot of other people about some of the decisions he's made and maybe whether he's up for this job or not. You do have to give yeah. him credit, and I wrote this in the piece, that he was clearly prepared for this eventuality. He didn't ex- probably expect it yeah. at this point when it happened, but he was clearly prepared for this eventuality by making sure that Jeremy O'Day stuck around. To me, he was always the break glass in case of emergency guy. He was the next yeah. guy. Justin Dunk pointed out on a piece on 3 Down Nation about that's another reason why John Murphy left was to him it was clear that if Chris leaves, yeah. he wasn't going to be the guy to take over. It was always going to be Jeremy because Jeremy and... Yeah. Uh, Reynolds have a very strong working relationship. He was probably the number two guy for the job last time around. He just couldn't turn down Chris Jones. And so clearly, at least from the VPGM perspective, which you could argue is harder to find than a head coach in a short, in like a quick window, he was ready for that. And Craig Reynolds deserves credit for that. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. And you're right. I, Jeremy O'Day, and much credit to Jeremy O'Day that even when, you know, let's face it, he was next in line for that GM job, and then they bring in Chris Jones, and he chooses to be the number two guy, stick around, learn the gig, start putting a little bit of his his fingerprints on the team, and then get rewarded with this job. Because, I mean, you always heard him whenever there was a talk of a vacant GM opening. Oh, it's going to be Jeremy O'Day. It's going to be Jeremy O'Day. You're right, Joel. You you for him to stick around through all of this, you knew the plan was in place for him to take over this team. And it brings some stability because it is going to be very turbulent from now until training camp. Just, I mean, you're seeing it already with, with filling out, not only finding a head coach, but a quarterback. And at least when free agency opens, you have Jeremy O'Day who's been there mm-hmm. and maybe there's a coach. Maybe there's not. We don't know yet if there is going to be a coach by the time free agency opens, you have Jeremy O'Day there. He knows the plan. He knows the organization. He's able to bring, as you wrote in your piece, with your new headshot, by the way, too, that better reflects, you know, skinny Joel. Um, <laughs> he brings stability and a little bit of calm, right? You have mm-hmm. a guy that can walk into the room, walk into meetings and say, oh, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what we're going to do. And yeah, yeah, we'll find a coach later. Yeah. And to, to me, in his reintroductory news conference, what really stood out to me was just how different it was, the tone of everything, and just how, you know, maybe not relaxed, but just professional he was with the media, and how it all just, it felt real, it felt natural, it felt, um, just, it felt real. And if, you know, Jeremy yes. O'Day is up there being himself, he's not trying to be something that he's not. And neither was Chris Jones, for all, for all due respect to him. They're just very different approaches yes. to how they handle these kind of situations. And I think after the last few years in Saskatchewan, as I also wrote the piece after Chris Jones left based on this, the pure amount of <laughs> chaos this organization has basically dealt with since like the year 2000 on. It's time for a sense of calm. It's time for a sense of yeah. stability. It's time to be, you know, kind of reestablish some kind of different sort of brand. Not that the, not that the Chris Jones brand is wrong. There was a lot of things I know that he did that did, a lot of people do not like, you know, we talk consistently about the guys yeah. he let go 
in his credit, for the most part, he was right in making all those decisions. And I believe yeah. even the chicken dresser ones at the time, I said, this is a team that needs to rebuild. They need to cut salary. And no offense, you can find American receivers and defensive ends. So, sorry, but that's yeah. that's football, to quote Corey Chamberlain. Yeah. So, yeah. in the end, he was right. And the Riders needed that at the time because there was a lot of unwarranted loyalty at times in this organization for a while. Yeah. And they needed a bit of a wake-up call, I think. And Chris Jones definitely provided that. Now it's time to see if hopefully O'Dave learned from that a little bit and he can straddle that line between making sure you're being loyal as you can but also still doing right by what's, by the football team. No, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, Jeremy O'Day has now been through both sides. You know, he's going to be the rare one of the rare people in the rider organization that, that were there pre Chris Jones and, and they're post Chris Jones now. Right. I mean, O'Day has seen, you know, what, what the loyalty can bring and bring some bottom out years and also see, you know, what you need to do and how you need to handle making a hard decision like Jones did time and time again in the best interest of the football team. So I think that's really going to give him a unique perspective in the GM chair. Now I, I think losing Chris Jones and what's going to be left of the staff and their current contract situation and, and the CFL coaches cap, I do think we all need to temper expectations for this football team right now. Yes. I'm just, I'm going to say that right now, but I think the hiring of Jeremy O'Day to me that, that, and I said it on last week's podcast, you know, you have a guy in Chris Jones that basically was auditioning for the NFL you know, Jeremy O'Day brings the stability, the longevity there that if the next two years are a little leaner while they develop a new core or, or, or develop some long term success under Jeremy O'Day's guidance, I, I think that would be a good thing and that would be expected. I, I think the expectations for the team have changed only because, again, we haven't really talked about replacement coaches yet, but. Mm -hmm. I, I, with the report coming out from, from the rest of some of our colleagues at Three Down, that mentions specifically the situation that a new coach is going to be put in, it, it might be tough to turn the ship around and, and right the ship next year. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the salary cap definitely makes that tough, and it, it's, it's unfortunate timing, and you just knew that year one of bringing in the spending cap, something was bound to happen. Someone was bound yeah. to be put in some kind of pickle over this, and of course, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, because, yeah, yeah <laughs> na course. naturally. Because um, chaos follows the riders. Exactly. And I made the point on Twitter shortly after the news of Chris Jones leaving the NFL, and it was CFL News that said that at the, on the same report that Jeremy O'Day, expect Jeremy O'Day to replace him, which, I mean, that's not that surprising. I think, and I still believe this, you know, I, we've, all, we've talked about this a lot, Chris Jones is a Hall of Fame-level defensive coordinator, a great head coach. Yeah. His, uh, his, his, his abilities as a GM, I think, will always end in a question mark. We might not never actually get a true answer on that one. But I yeah. think with Jeremy O'Day as general manager, there's a shot now. It's is it gonna, it's going to be a different approach. This guy is yeah. a CFL lifer. He's been up here for over 20 years. He's played basically his entire career in the CFL. He knows how to. He knows good teams that were built in this league and how they were built and how sustained success was built. And so I think for him, especially as a former offensive lineman, he's going to put a lot of effort into that. And I think he is going yeah. to understand the importance of drafting and developing a strong core of Canadians to make sure that you can build around that. Because even though he's an American, he's been up here so long at this point, he's basically a Canadian. 
and he knows this league inside and out. That, that, that's that's true. It's funny. It, it, I, he's one of those guys you always forget is actually an American guy, and he's made Saskatchewan his home. And, and I think, too, there's something to be said, and I don't want to hammer on Chris Jones because, I mean, he brought more good than bad, but I like the fact that O'Day lives here. You know, that's a big plus for me. Um, the fact that Chris Jones lived in a hotel and got away every chance he, he got, you know, and didn't have that same community connection that I think for a club like the Riders is at some level very important. I like the fact that Jeremy O'Day makes his home here. Hell, I've seen him in the same swimming pool as me on <laughs> on a family trip once. Like, it's just, I, I, think, that's, I think it's a good look for the Rider Brass. And, uh, and, and he's not a controversial guy. There's not a lot of rumblings of of, of Jer- Jeremy O'Day being a real jerk. You know, I think anybody that's met him, interviewed him, had the chance to speak with him at an event or at, at a dinner or whatever, everybody comes away saying, hey, really great guy. What a nice guy that Jeremy O'Day is. And you don't have some of that background noise that may have surrounded previous management level pl- people in the rider organization going back a very long time that you go – okay, you know, is, is, how is his character? I think he's got he's a man of great character, and I hope he can turn the team around, but I, I still think that this year they're going to be a bit behind an eight ball because because of that coaching situation with all the assistants, as, as reported, being locked in to two more years. Uh, no. And there's nothing you can do, no? No, they refuted that at the press conference. <clears throat> oh, fantastic. They said it was just one-year deals. Oh, well then, it's only a one-year rebuild then. Yeah, so and I and I think there's a part of me. I think Craig Reynolds and Jeremy O'Day know this. I think, I mean, obviously they are going still going to try their darndest to try and win a Grey Cup this season because yeah. outside of Winnipeg, the entire West is in chaos right now, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So there's certainly still a shot, and you never know when things come together. Maybe that bonds this team. Who knows? But I think in the back of their mind, they're prepared for things going sideways because of the situation they're in right now. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't yeah. think, and I wouldn't be shocked if Jeremy O'Day's plan was basically, okay, whatever happens this year happens, we're going to try to weather the storm and basically reboot this thing next year. Because that's yeah. probably what they're going to have to do at this point because there was the news recently of, uh, sorry, I can never say his name, Jeremy, uh, Jamie Alfonso or whatever his name is out of Ottawa. I can never pronounce his last name, the OC. And Paul Apolis. I, I think I think you got I think you got it there. I think <laughs> I you know. may have got it there. <laughs> For some reason, I struggle with that one. <laughs> it's one of those names I struggle with. I know him, but I can't say his last name. Um, both being denied um, the opportunity to interview for the head coach's job that's open in this team. And I'll get into a yeah. side thought on that in a second. Now it's interesting that they're inter- want to go after offensive coordinators currently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, and we can get into the rights and the wrongs about that. Personally, I, I, I see both sides of it. I can see why yeah. it looks bad on an organization to hold a guy back. But at this point in the year, I can also see why a team would, especially in the case of Ottawa, where they're trying to make sure their quarterback stays with their team. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can certainly yeah, see both sides of it. It's tough. And no matter which way you look at it, it's a decision that is going to have ramifications for your franchise because it's John Hodge who wrote the great piece on Three Down Nation about the decision the Bombers made to not grant permission to Paul Lapolice. And, you know, reportedly, and there's no reason not to believe it, that Lapolice wasn't too happy about this decision. So that's that's the other edge of that sword and you deny that kind of case. So maybe do we lose this guy now or do we lose him later? Because maybe you've just angered someone and he's decided, you know what? 
when my contract's up, see ya. Well, it, well, and there's a solid chance of doing that, especially if the reports are true, which you'd think the sources are coming from, that, that Paul Lapolis basically has language in his contract that says you can pursue a head coaching opportunity. Now, as an aside, I don't know how sold the Winnipeg brass is on Mike O'Shea, and if the team starts 3-3 three and three next year, maybe that's why they're very making sure to deny him of, of going now because I think he is much like Jeremy O'Day was to Chris Jones, the GM position. I think that if the bombers who are the only team in the West that seem to have, you know, their core staying together, if the bombers start slow, I wouldn't be surprised to see them wanting somebody in that organization who is ready to take over the reins from Mike O'Shea if they decide to make a change. Right. Yeah. And if they don't, I think you're right. I think Paul Lapolis is probably gone. Uh, I know uh, a lot of his decisions have to do with his family and the fact they stayed in Winnipeg and Regina wouldn't be that far of a commute. But um, on the outside, it's it's not a good look. But I can understand why Winnipeg would do it. Uh, and like you mentioned with Ottawa, you know, wanting to keep the quarterback in ten- it, there. And, and two, you got to think, even if you're an offensive guy, you're coming into a team in which you're an offensive guy. There is no defensive coordinator, and by almost every measurable metric, not a very good offensive coordinator. So it, it, it does. It, it, you're right. It is interesting. They're going for offense, two offensive guys, which is why they struggled. But with Stephen McAdoo being there for at least another year, mm. how awkward of a situation is that? How much your cap does that eat up to, you know? bring in another offensive coach to fix the offense then you have another offense there's nothing they can do with because his contract is guaranteed now to count against the cap so it's just it's a really strange situation and and that's why i think tempering expectations but again maybe you look at you look at a guy like craig dickinson and maybe you go to him the special teams coordinator where you might still have cap room to find yourself a good defensive coordinator and say okay this is a guy that's been rumored to be a head coaching candidate a few times over, maybe now this is his chance. You give him this one transitional year with this staff and see what the hell happens. And if it's a dumpster fire, you still can get rid of everybody because their contracts are gone past this season. Well, there's a couple ways I think this might go. And I wrote about it in the piece, and I originally had written this piece before La Police was denied the opportunity to interview for the position. I think yeah. they have the financial wiggle room to remove a position coach or two if they have to. Because okay. Chris Jones' departure frees up a fair bit of money. They don't have the body. Yeah, they don't have the body count to do it because stupidly they put a cap of eleven coaches on this thing. I think they should have yeah. just gone strictly dollars, but that's another that's another issue. Um, and so I think they have a little bit of wiggle room. And O'Day hinted at it a little bit in the press conference when he said, "You know, we're set with about eighty percent of our staff, and mm-hmm. the guy, there's whoever the head coach is, would have a little bit of wiggle room." So right away, I was like. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, is Stephen McAdoo like is he on is he on a tight road here right rope here right now because and then and then the word comes out that they're talking they want to talk to these offensive coordinators and I'm like, "Huh. That's interesting." Huh. So could yes. my theory at the time was O'Day wanted lap La- I think o- I think O'Day still wants lap police. It's not going to happen. I think he still wants him. Yeah. You you eat the cap hit for a year, and if you have to pay a little bit of a dollar for dollar fine for it, because if you, it's like the player cap, if you go up a certain dollar amount, it's the fine. So for one year, you probably yeah. eat that and take the change, bring in Ma- uh, La Police, wish 
Stephen Mack could do well in his future endeavors. And by all accounts, and Chris Jones is leading this charge, their uh, defensive backs coach Shivers is apparently, he's the next in line. Like, he is apparently, by all accounts, ready to take over this defense. So, you were promote that within... You could probably find the defensive backs coach somewhere. I mean, Javon Johnson's not going to be playing yep. next year, so maybe he's an option, right? There's guys out yep. there that you can find the DB's coach for, and that's where you go. So I think that was probably plan A. That is clearly falling apart. That's probably not going to happen. To me, I think plan B is, as you mentioned, I think it's Craig Dickinson because, and it's a short, it's yep. a one-year thing. He probably does it as a one-off, kind of like Bob Dice when he was the interim head coach after Corey Chamberlain was fired. I think yep. he does it for a bit because remember the first time he was here when those the whole thing with Corey Chamberlain wanting him here sooner, but he wanted to be the snowboard instructor over the winter. Yeah, exactly. I'm not convinced that Chris uh, Craig Dickinson wants the year round responsibility that being a head coach is. So maybe he can yeah. handle it for this year for a little bit, and maybe he enjoys it and things go well and they stay on. Who knows? Maybe he decides, you know what, this isn't for me, and then you can start from fresh next year and bring in basically a head coach that could bring in any staff member he wants. I think regardless, Craig Dickinson survives. He's worked for a lot of guys and a respected special teams coach. So his job was never really in question. I don't think it was everything else. And so that's probably the easiest route, shall we say at this point? Yeah. Or I I still think there's another name we haven't really discussed uh, yet. And that being Mark Trestman. And I I think that was the first text that one of us sent to the other one saying, okay, so somebody has Mark Trestman's number, right? I mean, they need an offense. They need experience. They need a guy to come in late and have success. Well, that basically sums up Mark Tressman a couple of years ago with the Toronto Argonauts. Now, he had Ricky Ray. wants the job. Yeah, he did have Ricky Ray. Yes, absolutely. But on the same note, though, I mean, he is an offensive guy, and I think he might be out there a little bit longer because there's still, you know, his name is still associated with some quarterback coaching roles in the NFL, but... I think if that's a guy, I think you go give him a shot and just, you know, you don't have to worry about saddling him with Jim Pop, who can't find a quarterback either. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Tressman would be a, would be a good fit uh, for the Riders and maybe gives him a, a bit of a chance to, after that really weird ending with the Argos, to come back and prove <sighs> that he is, you know, among the best CFL coaches. I'm not convinced. I, I and I've said this on a number of occasions about Mark Tressman. Now, if you can yeah. convince Mike Riley to come here, then yeah, you get Mark, you go after and you get Mark Tressman. I think to me, yeah. Mark Tressman is a closer. He's a great. He's like he knows yes. football. He's a great coach, but I think he is a guy that would say I would say if Winnipeg falters, Winnipeg should go after Mark Tressman and t- get get them over the hump. I think he's that kind of guy. I don't know if he's a mm-hmm. mid-floor, bottom-floor rebuild kind of guy. For all this talk about him being a quarterback whisperer and how great he is with quarterbacks, I mean, he's he's had success with Anthony Calvillo and Ricky Ray. I mean, yeah. and he's, yeah. yes, yes, he's taking their game to another level. There's no question about it, but they were already great. So... Yeah, I, I'm not, no, I'm not right. convinced, and I'm also not convinced that he wants to coach. There's a lot going on in his life outside of football right now, and he might want to take a step back as well. Yeah, or or, or move into a, and I, and I shouldn't say a lower-profile position, but I mean a quarterback or offensive assistant coach down in the NFL, you know, is you're not dealing with the media scrutiny or the attention every single day. You can just kind of go into your job, and nobody, everybody kind of forgets who you are, so... 
Um, Heaven knows being the head coach in Saskatchewan brings a lot of attention. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you got some personal stuff, you're working your way through, that might be the last thing you want right now. Um, I'm with you. I think if I was a betting man, I'd say Craig Dickinson gets a trial run. And then even even if, you know, like you said, like everything you read about Dickinson and and the fact that he's turned down opportunities before so he doesn't make this an annual job you know you've got a nice you've got a nice out either way at the end of the season if if Dickinson does well he says he steps down because he doesn't want the grind and I don't think there's anybody that that you know disagrees with that and new coach can come in and bring in his own staff and Al maybe Dickinson stays aboard but or if he's a complete dumpster fire you can still play the well we're gonna let him go and do the thing he wants to do kind of angle so I, 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 if I was a bet man, I, I, I would bet on him because, again, there is a bit of stability or unless you phone up Mike Riley and say, hey, who do you want to coach you in Saskatchewan next year for all the money we're going to pay? <laughs> well, here, there's, there is one interesting name that's kind of been floated around a little bit, and I never really put much credibility into it because the guy said he was interested in the job. Okay, cool. I'm sure lots of guys are interested in the job. doesn't mean they're actual candidates. But there's a tweet yeah. out now just about 20 minutes ago from Dave Naylor. And says, and I quote, The idea of Jerry Glanville as a placeholder for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as head coach has merit. Though 77, he lifts and walks each day. Was very good with Ticats this season. Could sign him to a one-year deal and have the choice of assistance across the league to succeed him in 2020. And the guy, mm. knows, the guy knows defense. He could be head coach DC. He does. And it doesn't seem like if he says, if he previously reportedly has interest, it, cl- it seems not being able to pick his staff doesn't seem to be a big deal to him. Personally, as a quasi-media guy, seeing his personality in Hamilton this year, I would say bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> whether he's actually oh, a good coach, whether he could actually be a good head coach in the CFO or not, I don't know. But just from, bring just, on the just, cowboy just to see him on the sidelines with his sunglasses and everything, like, let's do this! <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah, the big cowboy hats and the uh, and the sunglasses. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a nice ad there for uh, for the personality. And, uh, and you know, let's let's face it. I mean, not that Jones or any of these guys were uh, were bad at, at, at media, but it just seemed like you know, uh, outside of counting the number of times Corey Chamberlain said, you know, and it's one of those uh, things Chris where, Jones like is, I told the guys, that's football. Those were his things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'd like to see a guy with some personality come in here, and what could be an interesting year in Saskatchewan, as you mentioned, defensive guy, and maybe not. You're right; he doesn't have the long term connections. He's he's learned the game. He he's been in Hamilton. I mean, this is a guy that doesn't have the long term connections and might be willing to work with what's there. I I think that would be to me that would be the most interesting hire out of everybody that's out there. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think I think. It, the, the, it ha- it applies to both him and June Jones and Hamilton, where they're at their points in their career, where you know they're maybe they're not looking for the limelight, they're not looking for big payouts, they're basically just looking to coach and have fun, and that's what yeah. it seems like this one this year opportunity for Jerry Glanville would be. He probably you know when the Hamilton Ticats came to Regina, he was probably left saying, "What well, this is a pretty cool football town," and now that the options here, yep. hmm, maybe I'd pick that job. That would be the most interesting one to me and the one I would like to see just because I feel like he'd give us lots lots of talk to it and uh, talk about it and maybe even run a clip or two during this program. Well, let's 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 not go crazy here. All right. No, you're right. That's 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 true.